Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Hello and welcome to the 90 Minutes Fitness Podcast where we cover everything soccer related from training and gym work to nutrition and mindset. The podcast also features guests from the soccer world and you are guaranteed to leave with increased motivation and valuable tips to apply to your own life and journey. This week's episode is one not to be missed. I was fortunate to be joined by Sean Vinberg, an American footballer currently playing in Germany's Regionalliga, which is the fourth tier of German football. We discuss his journey growing up playing in New York to playing D3 soccer and also his experiences of playing in Europe. We also hear stories of his time playing in the Mongolian Premier League, which you will not want to miss. Tremendous value in this one and be sure to check out Footwork, where Sean is a co-host and features tons of valuable insights. Thanks again for coming on, Sean, and I know you're all going to enjoy this one. Sean, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Love to be here. Yeah, it's great to get you on. So I've kind of wanted you on for a while. So it's great to finally uh, get to speak to you and kind of get to share your story with some of the players out there. Um, So how's life in Germany at the moment, kind of post, well, not post-COVID, but things are starting to get back to normal. So how's how's that been going for you? Sure. Yeah, it's it's a relief. It's good. up until this point this season, we haven't had any breaks um, because of, of COVID, which is very nice. Um, it was kind of almost a year and a half where everything was stopped, um, like like everywhere else in the world. Um, but yeah, in certain regions here, it was a little more strenuous than others. Um, so yeah, right now we're, we're playing no interruptions with games or training. So very happy. Good, good. And did you get back to the States at all? Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, March 2020 was when the season first got canceled. That summer, I was able to go back. So uh, June June 2020, I was there for a few weeks, and then uh, this past winter. So not this summer, I was not able to go back because I started training with my new team. Um, so there wasn't really time. Uh, but the so Christmas 2020, that that time, I was also able to go back. Ah, oh, that's nice. But it's, it's kind of so tough for even for myself. Like, I mean, it was kind of a couple of years that I wasn't able to get back to Ireland. So mm-hmm. I kind of know how you feel. I think a lot of people are in the same boat, not being able to get mm-hmm. back and stuff to see family and whatnot. So no, I'm glad sure. you got back. But um, Sean, just with today, really, what I want to do is just share your story. Um, so your, your story is really unique in what you've done. I think you've traveled to some unique places as well, which we'll get into. So mm-hmm. from New York to Mongolia <laughs> of all places, which I can't wait yeah. to get into. And now you're currently in Germany where you've kind of worked your way up the levels as well. So I think it's a great example uh, for players looking to follow a similar route to you as well. So I think the mm-hmm. more we can get get your story out there, the better I think it'll serve as, as kind of motivation, inspiration to a lot of players out there. Um, but Sean, if you just take us back to kind of the, the very early days uh, growing mm-hmm. up in the States, just through like how you first got involved in the game, even up through like the club level, if you play club, high school, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, if you just yeah. kind of take us up to that. Sure. So, yeah, I grew up on uh, Long Island in New York. I uh, I started playing soccer. Uh, I don't know if we're saying soccer, football, but either way. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll use it interchangeably because I'm always yes. on Instagram if I yeah. say football. It's like oh, yeah. soccer. If I say soccer, no, it's football. So yeah. for the purposes so of it, I, I, I call it football. So we'll probably just go with football, so go with football. if, if, if that works go. with you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started playing football uh, really as soon as I could walk because my older brother, who was three years older than I, he was already playing. Um, so, I mean, the earliest memories and what my parents and brother tell me is he would uh, he would basically make me chase him around the, the, the yard 
and say I had to work harder to get the ball and he just wouldn't give me the ball. So I just run around and chase him. And at the time I had asthma, so I would go over to my dad, get a quick inhaler and uh, back at it. Um, yeah. And then growing up, uh, yeah, always, always played football, but was actually big into other sports, basketball, baseball and American football. Uh, I played with my friends, those sports football was actually the, um, soccer was the least I played with my friends just because they weren't great at it. Um, so I played football with my club team on various other teams, but outside of a, uh, a training session or with, with a team, it was always the other sport. So, um, you have sure. I think Americans, you kind of take a little bit of athleticism from other sports that helps, um, with football. Um, but yeah, it was kind of just a sports every day after school, whether that was basketball, baseball, football, soccer. Um, yeah, that was kind of it growing up. And did you uh, play club soccer or did you stay in the school system? Yeah, so no, I was on, uh, I played club soccer uh, from, yeah, I think it starts travel, you have U10. At the time, it was just the local leagues. Um, we didn't really have academies back then. They weren't a thing yet. Um, so by the time I was 13 or 14, you then start playing in your region and you have like things like region one. I'm not even sure if that's still around. Uh, so that's your, the best teams in the Northeast play each other. So you travel from uh, maybe Maine to Pennsylvania, that region. Um, so that was like the highest level at the time with my club. I played for a team called Hicksville Extreme. Um, but then in addition, you have like the state teams and ODP teams uh, that I was also playing with. And then, yes, you had high school, but high school, uh, yeah, it was just fun. I don't know if I really gained anything other than having fun. Um, but, yeah, it was not – it was just at the time the academies were starting to say that players weren't allowed to play uh, on your high school team. Um, but then it was uh, – yeah, it was a fun thing to play. And just to touch on that for a second, so just because I work with a lot of uh, younger American players and some of mm -hmm. them are in the you know high school system, a lot of players are in the club system as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because I'm kind of new to it here in the States as well, I'm still kind of getting my grasp on it. But just in your view, is it, say, if, for example, if someone wants to play in college, do you think it's better to have some players who just play in high school and then have some players who just play in club? Do you think there's a better option to do if college is the aim? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is all contextual because it depends on where 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 your your, your school is, where the, the the quality of players in the school. So my high school was uh, had a lot of good athletes. Like there were we were very dominant in sports on Long Island in the highest division of high school sports. But even so, it's not not a very high level because you still have a mix of players that maybe aren't taking it as serious as you. But you know they're a senior in high school so they're going to play because they're a man you know and it's also it hinders your your club which is definitely the higher level and the other teams i mean it does hinder the performance there because for example i mean this was starting from middle school and i was always on my club team and then you had either a state team or odp team and maybe another team so you would you know finish school at 2 45 3 o'clock you have training then until five mom picks you up i eat dinner in the car onto training onto my club going to club training or the state team training you know you do that five days a week and then games on the weekend i mean that high school middle school is even though it's fun i mean you are getting tired because of that which then leads you to the real training if you want to call it that 
you're not going to have as much energy. I mean, that's just, that's just biology. Yeah. I think there's definitely been a shift. I was in there. I think maybe the club yeah. club setup has maybe overtaken the school mm-hmm. system as totally. a way of actually progressing in the game, just because I think maybe of the, the quality of coaching as well, that's in mm-hmm. certain club setups. And then mm-hmm. of course the exposure that you might get like traveling to different yeah. tournaments and, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's an open, open debate and I'm sure things totally, will progress totally. as the years go on, but I think certainly, you do need to play club soccer if if you want to progress because again with the high school setup it's only for what's a season two months two and a half months yeah. maybe so yeah. it's uh you know if you want to progress you can't just play two and a half months out of right. the year you know you need right. to be need to be training year round um so then sean once you talk to me jen just about the college uh setup mm-hmm. so i know you went went and played uh d3 soccer after mm-hmm. high school the first question i have for you is what was the reason for D3 or was there a reason mm-hmm. for it? Yeah, so um, basically my goal was to go D1. Uh, my club coach at the time, now mind you, we were a good club team. We were one of the best on Long Island and in the region. And he sat us down when we were about 15. So when you're starting to think about college and playing in college, he said uh, like 5% or whatever it is, two of you out of the whole team are going to play D1. Like, that's just the reality of statistics. Like, all of you are not going to go D1. Even though we are a good team, like, the reality of it is, is that only a certain number will go. Um, so, my, but my goal was always to go uh, D1 because I was one of the better players on the team. Um, but as 11th grade comes around, you are going to all these showcases, uh, of course, emailing teams and contacting teams, but nothing is really formulating. There's not really a lot of interest from Division One teams. Division Two, II, Division Three, I'm getting plenty of emails from. Um, and then I thought of Hofstra. They're on Long Island. Uh, I knew the coach there, and there was a possibility for me to go there. But the problem was that one, I wasn't going to get any scholarship money, so paying for a private institution, fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, and then also, he has a very big thing of this coach in particular of freshman sophomore it's very rare that you get playing time for whatever it's just a old kind of english mentality you got to become a man before you you know step in the field so those both in my head um was kind of thinking about it going into my senior year still didn't decide you know you people have committing in 11th grade and then suny onianta which is a, a state school upstate new york i got an email from the coach around october and or this was middle of November and you know he says he's interested never heard of the school um d3 you know I think oh, it's just another d3 school but then I read that they're you know in the NCAA quarterfinals uh so I said okay I watch the game they win they go to the semifinals um and I see like wow they're actually playing good football like these are good players this is what I thought D3 was, this is not what was in my head. I thought that was only D1 played football like this, where they're keeping the ball on the ground. They're not just kicking it long. They're playing, having long possessions and, and being patient. Um, and they lose in the semifinal, but that's the national semifinal for 400, whatever, their 60 D3 schools, they made it that far. So I was very interested. Then I took a visit there, realized that uh, – the football team there is the main team. So like they've been successful over the years. They were D- D1 in the early 2000s and then they had to transition uh, because of Title IX where they couldn't have uh, a men's team in Division One, but not a women's team. 
Um, and they were kind of just always a powerhouse. So once again, my, my interest was peaked. I saw that the players also focused on football a lot there, um, the quality of players. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go here. The Hofstra opportunity to me seems like it's not a, a good idea to go there. I don't know if that's best for me as a player. Um, and I think that Oneonta, it's a new challenge and we're competing, not just, you know, let's kind of be over 500 this year. Let's get more wins and losses, but we're competing for a national championship. And that was for sure. The coach made it clear that that was the standard. They got there the semifinals that year, but next year they wanted to get back there and, and win a national championship. I really love that. I really love that because yeah. I think so many players, they just have their sights focused just on D1. Um, mm -hmm. but there's so many other opportunities out there as I Absolutely. think you might agree like you mentioned um, like the top level of D3 you know it probably could be comparable if they were to play like a mid to lower level D1 mm -hmm. team even yeah be very very competitive you know so totally. I think just because you're a D1 player doesn't mean that you're going to go professional after because mm -hmm. if you're for example if you're a player who plays on a lower level D1 team never sees any action maybe in your last two seasons you might get a few appearances mm -hmm. it's no good because you have you have first of all you haven't played you haven't improved yeah. second of all the stats aren't there so if you're mm -hmm. looking to go pro in the in the states stats are everything so like there's someone mm -hmm. looks at your stats there's nothing there whereas if you for example with you go d3 you're getting plenty of game time at a good competitive level getting footage getting your stats mm -hmm. up, everything like that. So I think it's a big, it's a big eye opener. I hope to a lot of people listening as well, sure. just that you don't have to go D1. It doesn't have to be D1, even D2. If you can get a good competitive D2 level, it's excellent. Again, with D3 as well, you know, if you find a good D3 team who have a good setup, good coach, play at a good competitive yeah. level. And most importantly, like you said as well, that actually take it seriously as well. So if it's right. one of the main sports at the school, you know that it's going to be like well funded well looked after that sort of thing so i think that's so important as well just for people to realize that it doesn't have to be d1 because i think i don't know about you but you'd be almost gotten tired of things on social media now yeah, it's for sure. all d1 has to be d1 if my if yeah. my child isn't going d1 that's it done yeah. like there and well, and yeah. like you said i mean that is that was a stereotype i had in high school and i gotta go d1 but the reality of it was every spring we played division one teams in like spring friendlies and we won every single game and we played them off the park. And, you know, these are schools that have done well in D1. But the reality is that that we keep the ball. They can't do anything great. They're athletic and they're fast and they can kick the ball wrong, long and win a header and flick it on. But if we have the ball, they can't do anything. So for sure, the top D1 teams are going to to beat us. That's, there's no question about it because they have the quality and they have the athleticism. But when you get under, you know, top 100 D1, even maybe outside of top 50, you know, it's not always the, the greatest players. It's not always the program is amazing. You know, they just might have money and their other program sports teams in the school are division one. So they are, but you go to a division one team and, you know, there was one uh, a player on uh, my, my school. He went to uh, Ryder university division one. And then he transferred his next year. They lost every single game in Division One. Then he came to us and he played and he's winning games and competing for a national championship. He would he would pick the D3 school 10 times over 10 because, you know, the team was better and you're winning games. So it's it's a no brainer. 
Yeah, and like you said, it's uh, it's only that small handful of D1 teams that, again, when it comes to, for example, like MLS draft and stuff like that, it's mm-hmm. only that kind of like small handful that players right. are going to be picked from. Right. So just because you're D1 at some lower level, like D1 school, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you have a better shot at, at, at kind of MLS draft if that's your aim. Because even, for example, there are D3 players who have uh, gone into the MLS draft and stuff. So if you're competing at the, at the top, top level, Mm-hmm. wherever you are and i think the best way to look at this sean really as well no matter where you are no matter where you're playing as long as you're kind of like one of the better players like aim to be the best player where you are with what mm-hmm. you have yeah. i think i think you'll stand out and you will start to progress like so i think too Absolutely. many too many players look as if the you know the grass is always greener elsewhere but i think if you yeah. focus on where you are and like focus on on what you have because for you because the aim was d1 and you were good enough to go D1, but for certain circumstances, you know, D3 just turned out to be the better option. You could have easily said, oh, well, I'm, I'm probably above this standard or whatever. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is D3, you know, I don't really want to be here, stuff like that. But you right. made the most of it, you know, and you play games improved and everything like that. So it paid off for you in the end. Um, but Sean, what would you say then in regards to college soccer in general? Do you think it's a good pathway to go if your aim is to become a professional or mm-hmm. do you think that it's a waste of time? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on the player. It, it for sure is not. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's the best option uh, for many reasons. Number one is the season if you make it to a national championship is three months long, three and a half months long, and then you don't play. Sure. You have like where at my school, we play like futsal in the winter. And then the spring season is like, you train twice a week. Um, there's not really games. And in division one, it's a little better, but it's not, you know, it's not year round. Like uh, here we play, you know, we, we start preseason in June. And you play until the middle of December, you have a three, four week break. And then you start up again in January and you go to the end of May and then you have a few weeks break and then you do it again. So if you think about a four year college career, you're playing 12 months of football. Whereas if you were playing somewhere else, you're playing, you know, that's, that's 25% of the time you're playing in the U S where the other time you'd be playing the whole time. So you're missing out on 36 months of football. And if you think about playing for 36 months, how much you can improve. I mean, just on that alone, it's a bad idea to go to college. Now it depends what you want to do. If you can, you know, if, if you want to get a free education and you can get a full scholarship to play football, and that's something that you're interested in doing, then by all means, use your ability to go there to get an education, but understand that going to college is not going to put you in the best position to be a professional post post college, um, without a doubt. Yeah, I'd I'd fully agree with that because I think the best way to look at it is you know if coaches or scouts once you say for example a D one player who's played D one, and then mm-hmm. they want to go pro after and they hand out their resume CV to you know scouts and coaches that they're only going to see that you played only like three months out of the year at most. Right. And in comparison to players who are playing, like you said, 11 months out of the year, 11 and a half months out of the year. So like it's kind of a no brainer, really, in that sense, because you really Mm -hmm. have to be at that top level if you want to actually progress. 
because you're just not playing enough and that's the reality of it um sean did you play anything in regards kind of uh well pdl at the time or npsl or anything like that in the summer yeah so pdl and npsl i can't remember which summers i played which um but we had uh it was always i mean as soon as i came home for the summer we we were training three four times a week and i would also do some extra training with other teams to basically train almost every day of the week and then have games in the weekend um and yeah sure the the one club coach that i had was great um but some of the other coaches on the other teams you know sure it's great to play and get touches but the level of training is not is not the best it's a lot of you know fitness oriented you got to get ready for preseason and run and run and run um and yeah not not doing so much with the ball yeah so i think again like the I think NPSL or some sort of summer football is it's absolutely you have to do it if, if you mm-hmm. want to because it give, gives you that kind of two and a half months again to to really right. put on your resume so I think that has to be done if you want to progress if you if mm-hmm. you choose to go down the college route I think you really have to look into the summer as well it's a must. So, exactly because I, I know players as well who sometimes maybe spent even their summers training in Europe with some teams mm-hmm. just to you yeah. know to get get insight into what that life is like and you know right. just to keep playing keep improving but if you're a player who just like sits around all summer and doesn't do anything and then just goes back into college soccer I think to be honest, you're you're pretty much wasting your time. Uh, I mean, you're yeah. not going to you're not going to progress as much as you need to uh, to reach the next level. Obviously, it depends on your goals. Like like we said, it depends on the player. Yeah, if, absolutely. If you're, absolutely. If you're going to college for education and and that's your aim, and you know you've no interest in playing so- soccer after college, then that's fine. You know you can do the bare minimum. But if you're a player who wants to progress and and wants to actually do something in the game, I think you have to you have to do those extra sessions, gym sessions play in the summer just as much mm-hmm. as you can any place you can just to make up for for the time that you're missing out um yeah i think that's that's definitely a no-brainer absolutely yeah i mean you have to if your goal is to become professional you have to re- realize or do your best to understand what it takes to do that and if if you want to play professional football if you do any profession you have to put a significant amount of time into it I mean, because remember, there's people all over the world trying to do the same thing. And if you think they're playing three months a year and that's aspiring to be a professional, I mean, it's you need a reality check. And I think it's good, like you said, to play around really good quality players or get in a good environment to realize that you need to do much more. Because even if you think you're doing a lot, when you get put in that type of environment, you realize that you're lacking in many areas. Um, so I think it's it's also really important to try and surround yourself with better players uh, as much as possible. Yeah, because it's all about that environment as well, isn't it? It depends what environment right. you're in. Right. So, so for example, the college that I was at, there was not that that atmosphere of players progressing after. It was like all mm-hmm. the players that were there were ju- just there to play in college and then go on to whatever they go on to afterwards, just in you know, mm-hmm. job life, career life, that sort of thing. But there was no no even intentions from the coach or anything like that to 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 help you find contacts or anything like that mm-hmm. so that's you know that's a regret that i have maybe just about the college that i went to everything else was good i really enjoyed it but i think just there it lacked that kind of ambition and that kind yeah. of desire to help players progress to the next level that wanted to to reach the next mm-hmm. level um so i think that was definitely lacking so like i said environment is such an important thing you know you need to that comes down to even college recruiting as well like speak mm-hmm. to the coach see what they 
think about in terms like do they have connections in the game right do they actually want to help you progress as a player or do they just want to get kind of like three four years out of you and then mm-hmm. you know you're done so yeah. i think that's important to, as well when, when picking a college as well um but sean then just when so say for example the last game you played in college so that mm-hmm. night the day after what was your thought process then was it i'm finished with the game or what was the plan going forward yeah it's a great question. I've never been asked that. So uh, my college career ended in the NCAA semifinals and uh, a penalty shootout. Okay. <laughs> always, well, not always, uh, a hard we lost. place to finish. Okay. We lost. Um, okay. And, you know, of course I was upset. Um, but it was different than a lot of the players other than uh, two other players in the team that, that tried to pursue, one of which is uh, playing here in Germany with me. Um, you know, that's, that's the end of their career. And for most college players, it's looked at as, you know, your last game as a senior, like you're done, like football's over, you're 21, 22 years old. And for whatever reason, the mentality is that like football's over. And, you know, that's just the mindset that we have in America with college sports is like, if you don't make it, you know, if you're not that 1% in a sport and you don't make it pro, like your career is done. Like you can go play, you know, for fun, pick up with friends, but like it's over. Um, but for me, I knew it wasn't. I knew I already, uh, I mean, I decided quite early on my sophomore year. Uh, I decided that I was going to play professional and I wanted to come to Germany uh, to do that after I finished college. Um, but by then it was like, I knew I was not going to end my career. Like this is, this sucks. This is not the way I wish it ended my college career, but this is only the beginning of my career. I'm still at the time, I'm still 21 years old. Um, and I knew that that wasn't my last game. So as upset as I was and angry that we lost, um, I knew that, okay, you know, just dust yourself off, learn from it. What could we have done better? And tomorrow, you know, get in the gym, get on the field and, and keep putting the work because by the time you graduate in June, like, now it's all on you and and you said you want to be a professional well like that's the time you have to make it happen yeah it's it, just to touch on what you said there as well it's such a different mindset isn't it in america that when you sure. finish the sport at 22 well you know 21 22 23 maybe it's that that that's it you're done you're retired and it's such right. a strange thing for me as well and i know for a lot of other internationals that came you know just seeing that because you know like you're experiencing now in europe players play even you know semi-professionally part-time you know they work as well but they play part-time as well up until they're 35 36 37 and it's a normal thing to do whereas in america it's like you just have pickup games like that sort of stuff so it's kind of like your career is done and there's not really that that pathway to actually continue if you need to go and work but play at the same time that that doesn't really exist so i think yeah that's such a such an interesting mindset i think that exists because in my view kind of 21 22 23 you're only just getting started you know you have so exactly so much more to give yeah yeah exactly you're still so raw at that age but like for there's actually another thing that sticks to me too when i was a, a sophomore i was you know whatever at lunch with my parents and one of my teammates came in who was a senior who's 21 and like we were just talking with my parents and he's like, yeah, man, I'm getting old. Like I don't recover as well as I used to. And like, I laughed, like you're 21. Oh. And like, I look back now too. It's like, you're 21 in, in the college age, you know, you have 17 year olds to 23, 24. I'm sure. That's old, but like relatively speaking, 
like that's just he's he's young and he's just taking care of his body poorly like it's it has nothing to do with i'm old because here we are there's you know 35 year olds playing at a really high level and incredibly fit i mean look at cristiano ronaldo of course he's an extreme example but it's just old is it's so relative and it's your your world is so small at that time exactly exactly it just seems like you know seniors are almost seen like old men aren't they it's like oh you're retiring in a few months like yeah exactly uh, my body my body can't handle it anymore but you're 21 years old like it's 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 crazy it's just a just a different mindset different mindset but then for you like you said back in the gym the next day back on the field what was your what was the plan going forward um so at that time the the plan was I was going to definitely finish my college. I mean, that was always the plan to get my degree and then and pursue the game outside of the country. Um, so, yeah, I first spoke to my cousin who he lives out in Portland and there was a an open trial for Portland uh, T2, their USL team. So I was like, you know what? Let's try this. I'm going to go out to fly, stay with my cousin in Portland, try do this open tryout. Uh, you know, first, first go at, at being a professional. Um, so yeah, I go there and then uh, realize, you know, after the, whatever week it was that, oh, this is just a money grab. This is not, this is not your training with the team. This is just, you know, you have kids with, you know, coming in basketball shoes and <laughs> you have, you have some good players too, but there's a, a biggest, uh, quite a variety of players. And I was like, all right, you know, learn from this. Uh, no one, no one got taken. There was a very good number 10 and he didn't get taken. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, I mean, if he's not getting taken, then okay, this is just a little money scheme. So learn from that. Um, two of my buddies that were also from my school, uh, they went to a combine at the time, same kind of deal, 500 players there. Um, yeah, I don't mind Sean. I don't even think they exist anymore, but it was InfoSport. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yeah, so hard. Yeah, uh, they're the worst, and they got you know they got G'd on that. Um, so you know that was they went in January, I went in February, and we were like, okay, like we gotta you know find somewhere else because these two were not really an opportunity as much as we thought it was. Um, then my cousin connects me with his friend that played a little bit in the U.S., a little bit in Southeast Asia, um, and yeah, we worked out that okay. Uh, He's going to do some sort of combine in the summer. I was going to go to that. All the meantime, in, in the winter, uh, that February, so after the combine, I was playing and training with the MPSL team by my school, um, upstate New York and Binghamton. Just the same thing, getting ready for the opportunity. I don't know when it's going to come, but you know, being ready 365 days a year, if someone called me tomorrow to play 90 minutes, I could do it easily. Um, and that was the mindset, just always training, getting touches on the ball, in the gym, doing extra work, um, waiting for whenever an opportunity came. Um, eventually, it did come. Uh, I don't know if you want to keep going on this until how it progresses. Yeah, see. honestly, yeah. yeah, carry on, carry on. Yeah. So, yeah, with open tryouts and stuff, that's a, yeah, that's, exactly. a that's, so, that's almost a conversation for a different podcast, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's exactly. Sort of kind of uh, pay $150 and get a free T-shirt and off you go. That sort of yeah, thing, but get a cheesy sling bag and <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but no, no, carry on three good. Yeah, so so uh that summer, so this is summer 2016. I graduated. Um, I was yeah, working as like a full-time teacher. It was a student teaching job, but I had a full-time teaching placement. That's what I was studying. 
Uh, so balancing work and then playing uh, with this MPSL team afterwards and getting the training and as, as always. Then I would believe it was that August of 2016, I had this combine with my cousin's friend. Uh, and it was supposed to be for two teams in Portugal's third division. So uh, go to the trial. Um, I do well. Um, and don't hear from, from the guy Fabian for a while. Uh, this is with Soccer Pass, the company. And I get a phone call uh, maybe like three, four weeks later. And um, he says, hey, you know, uh, we liked, liked what I saw. And uh, yeah, we're going to, you know, you have an, a trial offer in Portugal with these two teams. You know, in my mind, you know, I was at lunch with my father and in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is everything I've been working for. You know, I can't believe this is finally happening. Like, this is amazing. Um, you know, the stars are aligning. Like now it's time to work even harder and get ready for this. And I thought I was supposed to go in a few weeks, but things led on and led on and led on and led on. Um, and three months later in January, I get the green light. So I go there with one other American from the combine. And we find out pretty shortly that one team is not even allowed to have foreign players because they broke the rules the previous season. And the second team, we show up to the training and the coach that was originally there when we did the combine has been sacked. So he's fired. So there's a new coach there. So we show up to training with this guy, Luis Boamorte, who was at the combine, Fabian's friend. So Luis Boamorte played for Arsenal, played for West Ham, played for the Portuguese national team, a legend. He brings us to the training. So out of respect for him, they let us train. But they, had, they didn't know we were coming, one. They don't know who we are. And this is the Portugal third division, a, a good level. Um, That's and, and just to jump in for a second, yeah. when you obviously flew to Portugal, just for anyone, anyone listening, I assume mm -hmm. you had to pay everything yes. yourself. Yeah. Yes, yes. So let me, yeah, please ask any questions that I'm just skipping over a, quite a long story here. But yeah, so we had to pay for our flight and we had to pay for the Airbnb that we stayed in. So this is all on our neck. So the club is not doing anything for us at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people assume that it's like uh, you know, if you get these trials, that the club's going to pay for everything. No, no, no. no it's always always no. out of pocket. You have to pay yeah, yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, you're lucky if if it's the other way around. Um, so yeah, we get there, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a trial. I'm going to train with the team for the two weeks that I'm there, uh, play every day with them, maybe get some games, and show what I can do. So the the kind of chauffeur, whatever you want to call it, the assistant manager of the team picks us up from the airport gives us a schedule says we're going to train you know monday uh tuesday wednesday they have a game so you can't play so that'll be off for you then thursday friday saturday they have a game sunday and the same thing next week uh oh and there'll be there'll be like a, a friendly match on sunday which you can play in i'm saying okay so show up to the training the first day they we can't sit in the locker room with the team <laughs> They put us in a separate locker room. Yeah, I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, then we find out someone comes in and says, hey, we're, we're playing a friendly match against the U19s today. So like the second team. So I was like, oh, this is great. I mean, I didn't expect it, but it's, of course, best to play in a game immediately. Um, you know, and, you, and we go out, myself and the other American, and uh, the coach doesn't speak English, but the assistant coach does. And he asks us, the first thing he asks, he says, like, hello, you know, 
introduce ourselves. And then he asked, have you played in Europe before? So I have played in Europe with my college team. We went to Barcelona for two weeks and we played in like two friendly matches. And the other kid didn't. But of course, he asked the question. Yes, I played in Europe. You didn't ask specifics. Yeah. Yes. So I tell him, yes, I did. Then, you know, what position? I say center back, outside back. He says, and then I ask the other kid. He says, okay. Points to me. He's like, you're starting at right wing. And the other kid's on the bench. Okay. And like, no problem. I, In my head, I'm still wondering, okay, like, yeah, right wing is not my position, but I don't mind it. I can play it. I've played all positions as, as a kid. You know, no problem. Um, go on in the first half, score a goal, score the first goal. We wound up in, in the first half 4-0. Uh, but then at halftime, they take me off. And then they put the other, the other American on. So now in my head, I'm thinking like, wow, I thought, you know, they would want to see, see me play. You know, that's weird, 45 minutes and take me off. And then fast forward for the next two weeks, we wind up training the next day, full training session. Then we don't train the Wednesday because they have a game. Then Thursday, they have like a regeneration day. So we don't train again. Friday, we have like a, uh, what's the word in English? Thinking of it in German. But it's like you're just doing a few finishing drills. You're not really training because it's the day before a game. So not doing anything. They train. And then the next week, we don't really do anything in the beginning of the week. So I was there for 11 days, 12 days. And we trained for 45 minutes, 45 minute friendly, one full training session, and then a finishing session, and then one more session. And at the end of it, they say, the coach tells us, you know, uh, I like what you see from both of you. I like what I see from both of you. But, um, you know, at the end of January, we have a two week break in the season. It'd be a great time to see you then. Um, I can't offer you anything on what I see because I haven't seen you play enough. And I'm thinking in my head, I waited three months to come here. And now you're telling me there's a break at the end of January where I could have came. And you're saying you haven't seen me play enough, but like, what did I come here for? What did I just spend $2,000 on to come here? And this is, you know, this is what happens. So, uh, you know, I call the guy Fabian and he has like a real good talk with me, basically explaining like, welcome to the professional world. Like nothing is given to you promises are broken all the time and you might only get 45 minutes they could easily have said if you play terrible at 45 minutes yeah go home that's it and it was a great way as much as it sucked it's a great learning experience to realize like wow this is like this is cutthroat number one this is a whole new world because i now see the level of players here there's a few uh, loanies from benfica one of which is now playing in the first division in portugal so you see some real quality players, not like a good college player, but actual, you know, Premier League level player. Um, and then realize like, hey, I thought I was going to get a two week trial. I got two and a half days. And that's it. They, there's no, oh, sorry, buddy. Here's your money back. Like, no, no, no go home. That's it. Yeah, it's just the realities yeah. of it, isn't it? The that's, reality. That's yeah. what happens. And that is, yeah. you know, you're going to spend all this money to get someplace, you know, even if you, it could have been, could have been even shorter for you if you had done sure. like really bad in that 45 minutes sure. so you just like 
no sorry like don't come back tomorrow and that's that's basically what happens and you know i think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is how cutthroat it is and mm-hmm. like, there's absolutely no promises at all Nothing. in football and yeah. the reality of it is nobody cares like nobody cares yeah. about you or no one you cares know, that's the thing it's like nobody cares they're... about your excuses as well and that's no. that's the no. biggest thing exactly and like you know like coaches are there to win they don't care about you as a person they don't care Mm -hmm. they don't care that you've traveled as much as you have you know they Mm -hmm. care about what you can do when you're inside those lines for 45 minutes and that's all they care about so i think for a lot of people if they think otherwise they're absolutely just kidding themselves if that's they think because you have to you have to love the process of it i think you know and i think i like how i like how you've kind of taken the positives from it you took it Mm -hmm. as an eye-opener into what it was going to be and you know obviously where you are today it didn't you know stop you pursuing Mm -hmm. what you wanted to um so i think you know I think the earlier sometimes that that can happen in a person's career, the better, because then it really sets them up for what it's actually totally. like uh, when they get there. So, so how long in total were you in Portugal? Did you go back to the States then after? Yeah. So, so I was there, I think the whole trip was 12 days or 11 days in total. Um, so obviously the first, the one team we couldn't even train with. And then the second team, yeah, we trained for two and a half days, if you want to call it. Um, and that was it. And I went home. Now, to preface this, before I went to Portugal, because there was that three-month waiting period of when I could uh, go there on, like, I needed a, basically like a visa invitation to go. So that's what we were waiting on. Um, but in November of that, so about a month before I went, uh, the guy Fabian gave me the the Mongolian offer. So basically, he said he had a friend that's playing in Mongolia, his former club, are looking for uh, a center back. Um, you know, would you would you be interested in this? And of course, at the time, I said, "Well, I want to get into Europe. It's the best place to play." Um, you know, that's 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 my main goal. So let's wait for Portugal. But if Portugal didn't work out, you know, maybe I'd be interested. You know, first off, you know, I messaged him that, and I quickly go on Google Maps and look for where Mongolia is. <laughs> Oh, me, um, you, you and me both honestly yeah, when, uh, yeah. when i was researching this i was like i'm gonna have to look up where that is yeah. because i don't even know yeah. where where it is so sure, um, sure what were you what were you thinking then when that came up like when you looked at mongolia yeah. like was there any hesitation or was it like there's football to be played i'm going and that's it oh no no it, i mean it was zero so i remember i mean i remember where i was too because like you know this is the first opportunity I was at like, uh, I was at the physical therapist, whatever, working on my hamstrings or something. And uh, I get the message and like, I'm talking to him like, wow, I just, you know, Mongolia. And we're laughing about Mongolia. Like, where's Mongolia? We look it up. And, uh, and then I think, you know what? It doesn't matter where it is. Like, this is the first opportunity. So Portugal is the main focus, but didn't seem like it was going to work out. It was taking forever. I didn't even know if I was going to wind up going. And like, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like, take what you have. I was always told from my cousin and the guy Fabian and some other mentors that I knew play professional, like, it's very important if you look at your resume or your CV that you've always played. It wasn't played college 2012 to 2016, and then you have the summer leagues. And then 2016 to 2019, no clubs, didn't play a game. Then you start playing again. Like, that gap is not good. One, it doesn't look good. Two, for your development, it is very bad. So I was always like, I need to play as soon as possible in a professional environment, 
wherever it is, I'll take the opportunity. I'll make it work. Um, so as soon as that came, it was a no brainer. It was never like, uh, Mongolia, that's not, you know, that's not the Premier League. I want to go to England. I want to go to the Bundesliga. Like, nah, I'm too good for Mongolia. Like it was uh, absolutely. I'm going there, researched the team, looked up what I could. I was like, this is so cool. Like sign me up. So as soon as the Portugal thing didn't work out, I was in. Um, yeah. And then, we, and then we went from there. I love that. I love that. And then when you were, so when that was all decision made, Mongolia, it is. What was like the preparation for that? Like, did mm-hmm. you know where you were going to be staying or like how, how concrete was the setup mm-hmm. in Mongolia or was it the case of getting there and then seeing mm-hmm. what happens? Um, so, the, I mean, how did I prepare for it or what did I know about the situation? Just, just in terms of, so like for a lot of people, when they're going, they know where they're going to be living. Mm-hmm. They know like even the city town that they're going to be in. They know where the training ground is. Mm-hmm. Like, did you have that set up or was it like temporary housing for a while or like what was the yeah. setup? There? So, so, uh, the whole time, uh, Fabian was speaking to the president of the club, which we thought was at the time, um, kind of going back and forth with the contract, but not much, uh, because there wasn't really much of negotiating at this point. And, uh, yeah, it was just important that. Yeah, they, they were they had an apartment, of course, somewhere for me to live. And uh, you know, the amount of money was pennies, but it was it was fine. And then I spoke to the Fabian's friend that played there, so it was in Mongolia where I played there already. I was able to get in contact with him just to ask him some questions because uh, of course did my research as as much as I could, but there's very little online. Uh, not even about the Mongolian League, but about Mongolia in general and living there. And which is like incredible to me that even if you go on YouTube or Google, there's not much you can find about it, which to me is awesome because it's like kind of like a hidden land, a hidden country. Um, so, I, I mean, I called him, asked him how it was. He kind of gave me like a few insights, um, spoke to another American that was also there, asked him the same kind of questions um, and then just just went for it. And at this point, Fast forward to when I actually went, there was three other Americans that we were going together. So there's four of us total. Um, but I was going into it with the mindset of like, I'm expecting to live in like a tent. <laughs> I don't This is going to be like a shithole, but like, I can we curse on this. Yeah, fine. yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I make the standards I have in my head are like at the floor. And like, I'm just grateful to have the opportunity to go play pro you know, football is my job, you know, just focus on that, go to training, go to the gym, you know, just focus on this. Um, and we get there and I mean, do you want me to stop here before we, before we get here? Or no, you're good. Cause you're actually going yeah. into the next question I was going to ask. I was going to yeah. ask, what was it like when you first, uh, first got there? Yeah. What were the first impressions? So, so we get there and, uh, I mean, there, there's, so there's two things. One is, we get picked up from the airport, the four of us, uh, driven to the apartment. And we go in the apartment. And of course, the first thing is, how is the apartment going to look? Standard apartment. Totally, if this was in Germany, it would, you wouldn't think anything of it. Like, you have a toilet, you have a shower, you have bedrooms, you have a kitchen. They even have appliances and stuff in the kitchen, like a rice cooker and pots and pans. Everything sorted out, a refrigerator, all that. So I was like, oh, this is, this is so much better. I don't know what I thought it was going to be but it was better than whatever my mind was thinking it was going to be. Um, 
electricity, you know, things like this. I had no idea what we were going into. Um, so that part, totally, totally fine with me. Um, there was four of us. There was two bedrooms and a big living room. And we decided, okay, we'll have to switch with the beds. So one month, two of us will get a bedroom each. And the other two will sleep in the living room on the couches. And then we'll just switch. And I was cool with it. I did get a bed in the first place because the two kids wanted to stay in the living room for whatever reason. Um, but in addition, they they tell us, um, they give us like a few training clothes. This is like three in the morning, by the way. It's a 24-hour flight from New York to Mongolia with all the layers. So there's three in the morning and they say, uh, before they leave, they say, okay, training tomorrow. It's at 11 a.m. So in a few hours first game of the season is in four days <laughs> oh wow okay oh, do you have you have this this combination of like this is way better than i thought it was and like there's no preseason like what is going on here <laughs> and, straight into it but straight into but it. but as i always was in college like always ready to play a game whenever is asked like you have to always be ready you don't know when it's going to happen and this is a perfect example of you need to be ready for when the opportunity opportunity comes knocking um yeah so i don't i mean i'm sure you have questions with all that <laughs> of course uh, mongolia is something i just have so many questions about because it's such a unique path uh, mm -hmm. to take uh what was so for example the first training session what was the standard of player like even com in comparing to any summer football mm -hmm. that you would have played any college mm -hmm. football anything like that what was the standard like um there was a mix. So there was some players where I was like, wow, this player is not good. Like this is, this is way lower than I thought it was going to be the level. And then you have a few players that are like, okay, they're, they're good players. Um, but the training ground was absolutely terrible. It was a very small, uh, artificial grass field, um, like carpet, on top of concrete so extremely hard at the time i just had normal uh, football shoes on with studs studs don't dig in at all so um you know that of course causes a bit of knee issues but like i said was so happy to be there into trying to you know get friendly with the teammates even though they don't speak english just doing my best you know you have a pass with them keep the ball up play two touch whatever it is like i'm not just sticking with the american guys i'm trying to you know these are my teammates, whatever, whatever you want to call it. They are, they're my teammates. I'm stuck with them for five months. Like, let's make the best of this. Um, so it, it just comes down to the mindset because for me, it was not great, but I saw the positives of it. And I say this because the two of the Americans there had the exact opposite mindset of this. And from, from the get go, when we got to the apartment, it was just negative everything. And this is horrible. So, and I say this because my standard going in was at the floor. I was so happy to be going there, grateful for the opportunity, just excited to play. And I'm not sure what they had in their head beforehand going, but whatever it was, it was way above what it actually was with standards of living and the team and the facilities. And for this reason, three weeks into it, they left. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. That was yeah. really, and shocking. it was, it was not, it was not uh, like a pretty ending either. It was terrible. They um, just up and left pretty much. 
Oh, they did. I mean, they did just up and they literally didn't even, they left it for myself and the other American to tell the team that they left. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's... So it was, it wasn't pretty, um, but you saw it coming because from the get go, they were just negative, 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 always complaining about something very disrespectful to the teammates and stuff. And yeah, I think it just came down to the mindset going into it. Yeah, I guess that goes back to what we said earlier as well, just about like, uh, you know, especially with a lot of American players, they they think because something is professional elsewhere, because they're spoiled in America as well, the facilities and that sort of thing, when they go elsewhere then, because it's not the same in every other country, mm-hmm. like every other country doesn't have the facilities that the States has, but that's not to say the football isn't of a high level. And I think that's when a lot of American players in particular struggle when they go abroad, definitely as, as a perfect example there, you know, whereas you Absolutely. stuck it out, whereas they like three weeks gone, like that's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. They didn't, like, to be honest, that's not even giving it a shot, is it? No, like, that's no, no, just no. pretty much throwing in the towel straight away. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. And what was the first game like for you? Um, It was great. We won, we won, uh, we won three to two, so it was good to get off on the winning, uh, the winning foot. Um, yeah, I, I played well. You know, the team uh, definitely encouraging me and stuff, which is always nice. They really, I'm playing center back, so kind of organizing the team, even though they don't understand English. A little bit of Mongolian that I tried to learn, but like just doing my best to to be a leader and bring the team together. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was uh, in a it decent stadium uh which is the only stadium we play in <laughs> everyone plays in the same stadium okay um there's two other teams one outside of the capital so they have their own little stadium you want to call it and then there's another team in the capital that has their own place uh, but everyone plays in this one stadium um not many fans i, I would say uh, maybe a few hundred uh but nothing really um, but either way, it was just like, okay, this is the first, first professional game, you know, awesome. I can't really remember, honestly, what I was thinking other than just like, just play the game, like enjoy it, give it your all, do your best, have fun. And, and that's it. That's Yeah, no, that's, that's a crazy experience, especially even though playing in, playing in the one stadium, like that's a totally, right. you know, unusual concept to have. Um, totally. And what was your schedule like then? Was that so? This was a, a full time professional setup. So were you training every day? Yes. Yeah, so, or is that is that uh, an exaggeration to say it was kind yeah. of a full time? I mean, so professional? it was full time professional, as in uh, most players on the team only played football. They didn't work. Um, the money that I was earning was enough to live in Mongolia full-time I didn't need another job or anything um but in terms of professionalism from the club uh yeah I don't think any part of it was professional at all um we had training two or three times a week uh we didn't have a schedule so very often uh they would you know just call me whether I'm in the apartment or in the city at the cafe or something Hey, you know, where are you? We have training. <laughs> no, no previous schedule or text message or nothing like that. I'm just ready on the fly all times of the day, basically. Um, yeah, the facilities that we trained on. Uh, so there you have to pay for to use 
the field. There's one public park that we did train at sometimes, but this was, uh, you know, the worst, the worst artificial grass field ever to be made. I mean, it was literally the thinnest green carpet on concrete. Um, it was like playing on a basketball court. So we were trained there sometimes. It was that because they didn't have to pay to train there. And then the other field uh, was not much better. So, uh, yeah, training facilities, none. There's no locker rooms. So you're changing at the field. Um, or you just wear the clothes that you're going to train with from home. Um, what else? I mean, going to training. So they would. So there was... Uh, in the beginning, there was four Americans total. And then after the summer transfer window, we had three Japanese players come. So whether it was four of us or five of us, two of the Americans, three Japanese, we would all squeeze into a Prius to go to training. <laughs> oh, well. So you, okay. have, you have one person in the front, uh, generally speaking, with the baby of the driver in your lap. <laughs> like they're bringing their kid to training. <laughs> Uh, and then you have three or sometimes four people in the back seat squished together um and then with traffic i mean the traffic there is insane but it could take you 40 minutes to get to, to across the city to training um, not, ex not exactly the glamorous yeah. uh portrayal that a lot of people have of professional yeah. footballers is it? right right but i you know go back to the mindset i had i was happy to be there of course sometimes it sucked but like i was just immersing myself in every possible thing because not only was it great to be there for, to play professionally but like mongolia i mean i don't know no one knows anything about this place like take me to a mongolian restaurant let me eat the food they eat for lunch that cost me like a one dollar for a huge meal like let me try the food and stuff let me see what's out there so i'm making the most of it i'm not just you know watching netflix in the apartment going to training coming back and doing that because in this situation, I could see how your mind could wander and be like, man, what am I doing here? Like, this is this is like a horrible standard of living, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, it, it just it, it, it was what it was. And I, I signed up for five months and I was going to stay there for five months. Well, that's that's the best mindset to have. And I think that's like uh, that's so, so important as well, because like football can take you so many places. And, you know, if it wasn't for football like i can't imagine you would have gone to mongolia for any other reason so right it's like such a unique opportunity in a way so mm -hmm. i think that's why like i love to hear of players actually like immersing themselves in the culture and like truly getting a feel for what it's like sure. because like football sometimes vehicle or football is just a vehicle in which you know brings you through life sometimes and you can have great mm. experiences in life through football and it'll bring you places and give you opportunities that otherwise you wouldn't have um, so I think that's fantastic the way you just immersed yourself in it and mm -hmm. got, got everything that you could from it. Um, so then when it came to, you know, your five months were up, was there ever a chance that you were going to stay in Mongolia or was mm -hmm. it always kind of seeking opportunities elsewhere? Uh, no. So the plan, and there's so much more we could talk about in Mongolia. I'm just, my mind's I I racing. Feel, as, I feel, I feel I'm you, skimming you know, over it. Yeah. I feel it could be a full yeah. podcast in no, itself. No, it's a yeah. total, another episode. But it's just when you talk about something, like your memories, you start coming back. Um, Do you have any one significant memory? Of yeah, I mean, they're just, just to totally crazy that happened. Yeah, there? there's there's some ridiculous stuff like uh, unprofessionalism, you want to call it. So one quick story is, uh, so you have a three-month tour, three-month tourist visa as an American, just like you have in Europe. Okay. Um, and when we first get there, we're supposed to, we go to the immigration office, like the first, one of the first few days. 
And we're supposed to get a visa, basically, that will allow us to stay there the whole season. They've always done it in previous seasons. It's never been an issue. They know someone at the office, and that's it. They deny us. They say no. Like, we're not giving this to you. Um, and you need to leave. <laughs> it tells me we need to leave. So the coach just like, ah, no, no, come on, come on, let's go. So we just leave. So then three months is coming up, and uh, they say, okay, we're going to – we're going to drive to the Russian border, just do a visa run, go over the border, come back. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> I've, I've heard of that happening so, in Southeast Asia. Yeah, well. It happens yeah. quite often. Yeah. So I was like, huh, okay. Uh, and also this is at the time uh, where like Trump and, and Putin were having like some beef. So it was like, okay, this is going to be interesting, me going into Russia. Uh, so we... We leave at like four in the morning in a Prius, of course. They love Priuses there. <laughs> Myself and the American in the back seat, so it's a little tight. And it's about a nine-hour drive to the border. Then you have to wait, <laughs> like at the border, you have to wait online to cross. And to save time, we hop in a van with total strangers. So there's like nine people in this van. <laughs> so then now. In between Russia and Mongolia, like the border checkpoint, there's like a bunch of checkpoints in between. It takes about another two hours to get through. And all the meantime, you're just sitting in this van with these people, giving your passport, getting back in the car, sitting, don't know any of these Mongolians. Then you cross the border. There's like a little super Russian supermarket. For whatever reason, we go there. My coach buys a bunch of stuff. We get back in the van and then we head back. And we get back at like two in the morning. So it's like a 24-hour ordeal. <laughs> and this was just to get one month extension. So then one month later, we have to do this again to get me to my end of the, the end of the season. But like just ridiculous. That, that is unbelievable. I just can't get the yeah. image of like, you know, just at the border and like having to get into a van of strangers and that whole I have videos oh, of it for memories, but man, it's it's un, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. believe it. But that that is yeah. what goes on, like, and that's that's the lens yeah. that sometimes you have to go to because yeah. I think especially for uh, you know sometimes American players as well, there's that whole visa issue, mm -hmm. um, even in Europe and things like that. Thing you know certain sure. situations arise that you have to work around as well. So um, no, that's that's a quality story. That is yeah. something yeah. else. Like, no, that's really really good. And then how many times did you do that in total? Was it just a twice? Or so it was twice. So it was after twice. three months, and then. We got a one month Russian visa and then you did it again to get another okay. Russian visa. <laughs> okay. And then was there ever, like, it's just with the question, like, was there ever a chance you were yes. going to stay or was that right. it for you? Uh, no, no. So uh, when I went there, I basically was in touch with uh, a player that played with my older brother on his club team. And then I played with in the summers in between the college seasons. Um, so at the, in between, when you're in college, it, the age you're not just playing with eight uh, players your age you're now playing with all the college players in the summer that are getting ready for their upcoming season and he was in germany at the time um and his company football project was helping players kind of make the jump from uh america into europe whether that's scandinavia or germany and i spoke to him and i said you know i want to come to to europe after this mongolian season i'm here until october hopefully in that you know, January transfer window, I can make the jump and left it at that. But that was always the plan. And as the Mongolian season was going on, it was just kind of updating him. Um, but that was always the plan was to go to Europe after Mongolia. 
didn't know where or how, but that was what I was going to do. And did you do that through, like, so did you, you went back to the States, I assume, mm-hmm. in between. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have to go to like an open combine or was it, had you built up enough uh, CV to kind of get yourself straight into Germany? Yeah, no. So uh, I'm remembering more stuff now. So no, I, I had to go to their combine. Of course, I knew him. So he was in Germany at the time. So he wasn't actually at the combine, but his people, his partners uh, knew I was coming, of course. Did well there. Um, spoke to me after it. Yeah, they said, okay, we have a, you know, we think we have a few opportunities maybe in Scandinavia or Germany. Um, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Um, that's, all, that's what it was left at. I didn't hear back from him for a while. Was reaching out to Fabian now, the same guy that sent me to Mongolia. Like, hey, do you uh, you know anyone? And he had a friend that was playing in Finland at the time. And uh, back to what I said earlier, I wanted to play. Like, I needed to get out of the country and playing somewhere. Uh, ideally in Europe, because that's where I wanted to go. And just get get there and play. Like, me sitting home in New York is not, is not helping me in any way. Uh, like... I was in Mongolia, great, but I don't know how much this helped my CV or whatever you want to call it. Like I need to get there on ground and play um, because I always heard that's the best thing to do. You just get into the country and play. You can ask for trials once you're there, but it's from New York. Nothing's going to be handed to you. Um, so waiting for to hear back from this, this combine, nothing's coming, nothing's coming, nothing's coming. Um, I hit up this guy in Finland. He doesn't promise me anything, but he says, hey, you come here you can't stay with me i have a wife and child in a small apartment but i'll help you get an airbnb if you're gonna pay i'm gonna pay for it uh, you have to pay for your flight as well and uh, you know i'll help you get some trials locally here um and i booked the flight to finland because i had nothing else players was pretty poor i was shocked um, then I trained, so I went to them once and then I had a training with another team in a different region in the Oberliga and they were significantly better Trained with them for a week. Weren't interested. Uh, I didn't play well enough. Uh, the level was good, but I definitely just did not play well. And then, uh, I went to a, a third team Niendorf, uh, in the Oberliga Hamburg. And yeah, I was like trialing with them for four weeks. It was always one week. I play really well. We need to see you in a game play really well in the game. They say, okay, we need to see you play against the better team. Kind of just dragged it out. Looking back, it was, they were definitely just dragging it out as long as they could uh, and eventually signed for them. Okay. But in terms of level, it was significantly higher than Mongolia. So in Mongolia, you have some very good teams. Good quality. The first place team at the time was very good. Uh, but there's a huge difference in the first place team and the last place team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from, from from the ground up, it was significantly better. And this is the fifth league in, in Germany. That's quality. And then just in, so for anyone that might be listening, so in the fifth tier, what's the schedule like in terms of training? Mm-hmm. Is it two, three times a week, with one game, or how does that work? Um, yeah, so during the season, it's usually... Uh, three three trainings four trainings a week and then you have a game on the weekend see that's the that's the thing again isn't it with uh europe you know you're you're mm-hmm. training quite often at a high level as well so like you mm-hmm. can again that's all nighttime training as well at yeah. that level so yep. like you can work during the day and then 
train at night time as well but yes. still still be playing at a really good level so i think that's kind of one of the one of the perks of it as well um what was did you just do airbnb just for the time you were there or did you ever find anything more more permanent yeah so uh in this overliga the teams don't uh don't help you out with the apartment so for the first six weeks i was with the guy that helped me get there um ronnie vass's name I was staying at his place, just sleeping on his couch and then uh, using a website for like searching for flat chairs, uh, basically found a room uh, for two months and it was only for two months. Um, and then after this, I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in the city. So then I wound up getting an apartment for one month or a room for one month in a different place. Then after that, I knew I was staying in the city and then I found uh, another room uh for a long term but i mean there that that's the whole podcast in itself trying to find an apartment <laughs> it's it's horrendous yeah. isn't it i think yeah. that's the hardest thing because again you don't know how long you're going to be there and that's because that, yeah. a lot of these places are looking for like at least kind of six months or mm-hmm. to a year at least so it's yeah. like really hard when you don't know exactly where you're going to be exactly um and then so you spent was that in the winter transfer window that you went yes. to Germany. Yeah. So you spent the rest of that season there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? Did you get much game time or, or how was that? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately I signed after the transfer window closed. Um, and the rule is you cannot play. Uh, Mongolia was professional. So you're in like the FIFA system. I was suspended uh, six months from the last game I played, which was uh, at the end of September. So I wasn't even eligible to play in a game until April. And then I think I was eligible to play for eight games and I played in four of them or started four of them. So it, it was okay. Uh, not as much game time as I wanted. Of course, I was suspended for like half of that uh, part of the season because of uh, not signing the transfer window. And yeah, it was okay. But like I said, the training was very good. The level was high. Um, and I was happy to get game time when I did. And did you move on elsewhere then after after that season? Yep. So they they, uh, they didn't want to resign me. They told me that uh, first day of preseason before training. That's pretty. That's pretty late, isn't it? Leaving it is, pretty late. It's a little late. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I had to go on trial. Uh, tried to make some contacts. Um, got a trial with another team, and uh, yeah, did well there in a few days, and then signed there also in the Oberliga. Hamburg and said, okay, you know, I should play a full season here, get a string of games, and then try and make the move move up. Perfect. So in that season, was that kind of one of your most successful seasons or where mm-hmm. you felt kind of you got into that flow state of getting training games? Yeah, like that? for sure. Yeah, no, I was I was doing really well, uh, starting playing every game, uh, had, a, had a few goals and assists. Um, the team wasn't doing as good as we could have. We were towards the bottom of the table. Um, but definitely personally playing well. Um, the plan was to do in a trial in the spring of that of that season. So like towards the end of the season with the team in the higher league. Uh, unfortunately, I got injured in February, which put me out for eight weeks. Uh, so the trial was kind of gone. But the goal was that summer then to do the trial in the higher leagues. As how I could get make that happen was. Uh, unknown at the at the time but i just felt that like i was playing really well 
there were definitely games where I played like excellent, where players on my team said like, yeah, you can definitely do it. Like you got to play at the next level. Um, so I believed in it. And there were people that believed in me as well. And then how did that come about? So obviously you did move mm-hmm. up. How did that mm-hmm. happen? Did somebody see you or was it a case of you contacting them or how did that come about? The trials? Yeah. Okay, so uh, the, the trials at that point um, were through the agent that was helping me out, um, but they didn't know really anything of me. They didn't know who I was, uh, you know, in terms of like, oh, this is a, an incredible player from Oberliga Hamburg. They didn't know anything about me. Um, and the first team uh, thought there was going to be an opportunity. And I go there and they say, I train well, in my opinion, was the best player at this training session. We didn't do so much, but I played really well. And then after training, the assistant coach tells me, uh, like, hey, we just signed a pro from Turkey, like center back, like, sorry, there's no more spots. (laughs) And I was like, man, okay. I was like, the realities. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, uh, thank you for the opportunity. You know, I'll see you maybe in the winter. Like, maybe in the winter you'll need me. Uh, and that was it. Just, you know, take it on the chin. There's nothing you can do at that point. It doesn't matter what I did in that training. I realized that, like, oh, there was never a spot by the time I got here. Um, and then went on another trial with another team in the, in the Regional Liga. And uh, after two or three days, same thing. Like, uh, we don't see him in our starting lineup. And Ross is already full. And unless he's going to be right in the starting lineup, I you know, we don't want to sign any players. So that was it. Um, and at that point, uh, it's important to know is that while I was injured, there was a, a good Oberliga team that gave me a very good offer for the following, for the next season. And I said no to them because I wanted to do, to move up a level and I had these trials coming. Um, but at that point I felt that it was worth the risk that, you know, taking the easy route or the good contract, it's comfortable. I know where I'm going to be playing. Um, but it was better for me to risk it and go on these trials. Now the trials wound up not working out and I signed for another team in the Oberliga that uh, was interested as well um, from the first half of the season. But the mentality was, okay, I'm going to play in the Oberliga again in the fall, but in the winter, I'm going to somehow get an opportunity to play in the Regional Liga. I'll play, do my best, play well, and somehow it's going to happen. Yeah. That's that's the thing though, isn't it? You do need to, I like that you mentioned earlier, just about filling your CV, so filling your resume, mm-hmm. as it's so easy just to skip six months or skip a season. And then it becomes the question in people's minds, like why didn't he play for six months? So right. for you, because you were so focused on, you know, the Regional Liga, would have been easy just to say, no, I'm not going, I'm not staying at Oberliga, that I'm going to move up. But then what right. happens is you you fall between you know the two levels and you end up not playing for a full six months which then hinders your chance uh, obviously going to that regional league level so um so i think it's so important to keep playing like mm-hmm. you said and, and, and keep those games coming um so then how did that opportunity because you did sign in that winter didn't you you did yeah. move up to yep. level so how did yep. that, how did that all all come about for you yeah so um so we play in a cup game. It's the last game of the first round. So like the first half of the season before the winter break, we play a cup game against the Regional Liga team. The Regional Liga team that said no to me because they signed the Turkish pro. So this is the team that said no to me, you know, six months before. And now my 
coach from the second Oberliga team I played for, where I started to play really well and play every game, he uh, moved to this team. So now he's the assistant coach on this team, the Regional Liga team. They smack us 5-0, just completely better than us. Um, but instead of just leaving after the game and being sad that we lost and upset and angry, stay after and I talk to him. You know, important to network, keep relationships that you have with, with people. Um, and, you know, I tell him he knows the situation at the club is not great. I've always kept in contact with him up until that point. And I had nothing. There's no regional legal offers, nothing. Uh, agent really can't get anything at the time. Going into the winter break where I'm going to be flying back to the U.S. with absolutely nothing. And I tell him, like, hey, you know, do you know any teams in the in the league, the regional league, the league that, like, maybe are looking for defenders, looking for a center back, looking for an outside back? And he says, yeah, there's one team I could uh, I could reach out to. I did the B license, the coaching B license with uh, the assistant coach. Okay, good. So I go back to America because all teams stop at that point. No one's training. Receive a message like, hey, this team, Haida SV, SV is looking uh, for defender. They're interested in you. Good. You know, when's the first training? Okay. Yeah. And then go to the training. Do well the first training. Uh, the level is different than where I was. We could keep it at that for now. And then the second training, uh, after the second training, they offered, they said, yeah, we want to sign you. And that was it. So, unbelievable. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And what was that feeling like for you, knowing that you kind of finally achieved it, of getting to that level? How did that feel? I mean, it was, it comes right back to, like, I was, I was very excited and happy, but it's back to, like, what was always the mindset is, like, now it's time to do even more work. Like I've worked so hard to get to this point and it's not, they're going to sign me. I made it like I'm done. Like now it's, I have to give a hundred percent more than what I was already doing because this level is a better league. It's a higher league. And there's a reason that these players are, you know, playing in a higher league. So I need to make sure that I'm putting in more than they are and doing more than they are and making sure that I'm ready to play in the first game of the season. Yeah, see, I think people always think there's that euphoric moment, isn't there? Hmm. Oh my God, I've achieved what I've set right. out to do. But at yeah. the end of the day, that's really, so you have that like very, very, very brief moment, but then it sets in that, oh wait, I've, I've a lot of work to do here. Like right. That's that's right. when the work starts. Um, right. So no, that's, that's, that's crazy that you got there, yeah. you know, in the end, having gone up through the levels and it taken a while. Mm -hmm. But I think the key, like you mentioned, networking, that's the key, you know, never, never burn any kind of friendships that you have or any contacts totally. that you have because you never know who's going to ask them, what do you think about him or anything like that. So I think it's so important to, to keep mm -hmm. those, those channels open. That's, that's for sure. And then just in sort of remainder of that, that season, did you play much in the league? Yeah. So we played, uh, unfortunately we played three games and then COVID came. So Okay. That was that was 2020 winter, like January, February 2020, uh, and the season stopped in March. So we played three games, and then there was a fourth game that we could have played, but it was canceled or postponed due to the weather. The field was unplayable, and then COVID came, and that was it for that season. Yeah. Okay. And what was the what was the training level like? So did you notice much of an adjustment, or how mm -hmm. was that? Yeah. So it was it was interesting. Um, it was significantly more intense 
Um, not that the training at my previous team wasn't intense because it was. The training level was always very good. Um, we had a lot of quality players, like really good technical, skillful players. Um, so the level of training, believe it or not, in terms of speed of play and quality was actually a little bit lower than the Oberliga team that I was playing for at the time. But what they made up for it was effort and just like nonstop, intense, go, 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 go. Um, and that team, the, the team that I was in the beginning that I was playing for, they are known for that. They're not really known for, you know, playing the most beautiful football, but they are difficult to play against because of this. Um, so that was just a little bit of an adjustment, but that kind of fits my game. Um, so for me, I was able to fit right into it. And because the quality of play maybe was a little lower than my training uh, sessions with my other team, it was like, it was easier to adjust in that sense. That's an interesting one. That is yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. As I think it's like, as you get into those kind of lower, lower leagues, which are still an excellent standard. So like people right. don't realize what a good standard that is, but sometimes between like say fourth, fifth, upper sixth, it's like around the world, even like there's yeah. not much of a difference between them. You know, there's sure. like that things might be a little bit quicker. There might be some more talented players in there, but to be right. honest, there's not that huge jump around those levels. Right. Would you, would you right. kind of agree with that from what you've so, seen? I mean, totally there, there are players. I mean, just on that team alone, on my overleague team, before I made the transfer, there was, I mean, probably half the team could play in the regional league if they put in the effort. But it's the mentality is a little bit different. They're a little bit lazy. They don't want to do it. Maybe they, when they were young, they played at that level, but they don't want to do it anymore. And young, I mean, early 20s. Now they're in the middle 20s and they just, they'd rather work and make money and train twice, three times a week and play on the weekends a little more easygoing. But they're, they're still quality. Um, and it goes, I mean, the, so the first team, Niendorf, that I played with in the Oberlei, when I first came to Germany, they finished that season third. So they were a very good Oberliga team. Kept the ball on the ground. Great possessive team. They were actually the first friendly match I played against with my Regional Liga team. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so, of course, that was great to play in. And I wound up scoring a goal against them, which is even better. But we tied the game 1-1, but we totally dominated them. And I was really shocked because, you know, the training up until that point, I was like, you know, the team can't really keep the ball that well. Like, they're not technically that great. But when it came to 11 v 11, just it's like we were suffocating them because we're playing at a faster speed and go, 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 go. And we're fit enough and can run longer and run faster and play a little more physical that, like, that's what separated the level, really, between those two teams. Um, because... Really, we didn't have the greatest quality, but we could just go and go and go and go and play very aggressive, and they couldn't. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Like, I yeah. mean, if when you go up the levels, I think the players maybe just are a little bit fitter and mm -hmm. more uh, dedicated, more committed to it. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you have players in the lower leagues who are incredibly talented totally. te technically, but they might be, you know, as the lower leagues and stuff, they might be overweight, they'd be carrying mm -hmm. a little bit of extra fat, stuff like that. But if you ask them to like ping a ball 50 yards, they can, they can hit it. Yeah. So yeah. I think it comes down to that. And like you said, there's not that much of a difference. So if you're somebody who like commits fully to it, 
and mm-hmm. you and you're doing well at the fifth division for example there's no reason that you can't move up to the totally. fourth totally. If, if you're prepared to you know make the sacrifices in terms of like you mentioned work and stuff because mm-hmm. as you and we'll get on to in a second but as you move up to the fourth division some teams they they train twice a day and stuff mm-hmm. so the your work life takes a bit of a hit so for a lot of players they might prefer to stay at that fifth division and still make a decent amount from playing for what, what is effectively totally. part-time and they're happy enough doing that and working and stuff but I think if you're a player who wants to move up, I think it's certainly possible to, to move up mm-hmm. in that. Um, so just the, the fourth uh, tier club that you so Hyder S were you were they full time at the time or were they still part time within the fourth division? Yeah, so so they uh, just about every player, if not every single player had a job. So we trained at 730 at night um, and everyone worked during the day. So it was part-time you want to call it uh it's definitely not the main focus of everyone not that they're not taking it serious at training but it's not the only thing they're focusing they have a full-time job and then that takes us on nicely to what you were doing in germany as well yeah. because i think you know it's so important for players to realize as well that, that a lot of the time you will have to work so mm-hmm. you're not going to go straight into a professional team in england or germany you know you are mm-hmm. going to have to work um so how did you navigate those waters in terms of supporting yeah. yourself yeah so i got lucky in the beginning when i first came to germany uh, the guy i was staying with he was teaching english online um and at first of course i'm i'm sleeping on his couch so i hear him teaching english for a few hours a day every day um and then as i'm there for a few more weeks like you know money's starting to get low and i'm not earning any money i don't have a visa so i can't even get a job I wanted to in Germany um, and I was like you know what I should try to teach English as well um, and I applied for this company um, VIP kid it's called which is soon to be no longer existing yeah. Um, and yeah and I, I taught English um, and to this day now it's now it's significantly less but without that I would not have been able to survive and that's very important for people to hear um, you know whether it's in Mongolia or the Portugal story or here is that like doing this for the money, if you're doing this for the money, like don't bother starting because yeah. you will be incredibly disappointed. And, you know, when, when someone offers you a hundred euros a month, a month to play for what you're in your mindset is full time because you're focusing purely on, on playing. Uh, yeah. I mean, are you going to take that as like an ego hit or are you going to say, okay, you know, I expected that I have another way to earn income. So I don't have to, you know, stress about the money the club's paying me. And then I could just play in the field and perform to hopefully one day earn an opportunity that will maybe pay a little better. That's so key. So yeah. key to say, because yeah. I think, like you said, it's in your mind, you're a full-time professional, you know, that's your, right. that's what you do every day. But like you said, you might only be getting 100 euro a month for doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're putting right. so much time and effort into it, but you're seeing so little right. financial return, I suppose. Um, right. But again, if you love it, 
that's the main thing and i think like you said you don't do it for money absolutely not yeah. because I, we, we spoke just before we came on here but you know there's it's so hard when like college graduates as well and you see all the people that you went to college with and friends and whatnot and mm-hmm. they're getting jobs where they're like 60 70k a year mm-hmm. you know seemingly having like nice lives and things mm-hmm. you know a nice car whatnot apartment all that um and it can be hard like there's no point in saying that it's not and it can be tempting for players you know to go down that route to give it a few mm-hmm. months and if it's not paying off then to go down that route of uh, well i tried you know but it's mm-hmm. not for me but i think if you learn to fall in love with that process of of the growth that comes with doing something like you've done you know it's going to pay off in the long term it really exactly. really is exactly and, and like because the challenges you've overcome to get to where you are today like that's going to pay off way more than if you just stayed in your comfort zone you know stayed in the states where you're comfortable you know speaking the like like even speaking the language is such a challenge Mm -hmm. um and it's so mentally draining as well like that's the Mm -hmm. thing it's like sometimes and i'm sure you found that when you came back to the states just being able to be understood properly is Mm -hmm. like such a kind of a oh well moment like it's kind of like a it's almost like a park of it you know it seems sure. like so easy um because you take it for granted you get used to the mm-hmm. the struggle of like speaking a different language or or that sort of things but mm-hmm. like i said that's what's going to set you apart in the end um would you agree with that that kind of mindset that you've that you've grown into is going to pay off so much in the, it is paying off now but it sure. even, even in the future right. it's going to pay off so much more totally i mean it that's one of the reasons i wanted to I mean, there's many reasons why I wanted to leave the country to play. One, one was because there was no opportunity in America. That's number one. Number two, to show people that you can go from, you know, played club, played D3, and then make it to whatever level I can make it to show people that it's possible. And also, it's good to put yourself in difficult situations and grow from it and learn from it. And if I can use my 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 talents in soccer to travel the world see the world but also grow as a person not as not as a footballer but like you said the the daily task of life especially in the beginning of going to a new country there's so much stimulus i mean even going to the supermarket everything's in a different language in mongolia there's not even the same alphabet so you know these little things help you grow as a person. And then when you go back to America or go back to your, your home, you're so grateful for the little things, the small things. Like you said, someone understands I can go to the supermarket and I know that any question someone asks me, I'm going to understand what they're asking for. <laughs> yeah. Any word they throw at me, I know the word, you know, in the beginning you go to a cafe, I'm hoping that I'm going to ask for, you know, a black coffee and they're going to say, is that all you want? Because I know how to answer that. But then they throw something else at me and all of a sudden my fight or flight mode is going off. My adrenaline's pumping. And, you know, it's, it's hilarious to think of it like that, but that's how it is. And that's how you're going through daily life in the beginning. Yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree because it is, it is that flight, uh, you know, fight or flight mode because right. if there's any sort of follow-up question, it's just like utter confusion. So I remember when I was uh, when I was in Germany as well, and you know the supermarket. And I thought I had it down. You know, like when you hand them the money, you always tell do. You how much you give it to them. And then I remember the first few times, you know, someone asked me like, "Do you want a bag?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, 
Yes, maybe. Yeah, I don't, like you just <laughs> don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do, you just don't know. You know right. because it catches you, and it's obviously the way they phrase it. It's a question, so you need right. to respond. Right. But like that sort of thing, like it, it panics you, and it does sure. like kind of you know lead to that embarrassment. But I think right. once you get past that, but it's, it's good. It's fine. It's yeah, good that, absolutely. but like you said, the embarrassment is so important to have control of your ego and not let it, not let it get the best of you like it's okay to not understand the language that you've been in a country in for one week and like you know you you're not at a two-year-old's level yet and it's yeah. okay and then when you start to speak it you sound like you know you have rocks in your mouth trying to talk and it's okay you sound funny because now i can empathize with people when they speak english and they can't really speak it well now it's like oh you know what I've been in that situation where it's super uncomfortable to try and ask for something and I can't really speak the language, but they're trying. Like I totally get it now, you know? And, and I mean, there's a million things you could go on, but it's, it's kind of putting yourself in the situations where you're not the best at something and then trying to improve. And I mean, that's in life in general, not just football, not just learning a language and anything like it's good to fail. Like failure is not, you shouldn't be afraid of that. Cause that means you're trying something new. And, and so. to continue to do that in any aspect of life is so important. And in this type of career path that I'm following on now, it's always prevalent. It's, it's always at the forefront. Exactly. And it's just about stepping outside your comfort zone. Right. And I think that's where, that's when growth occurs. Like that's sure. when the real growth occurs is when you actually right. step outside your comfort zone um, and do something that is completely, you know, puts you in that fight or flight mode. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was a great way right. of looking at it. I think that does, yeah. it does stimulate that certain situations. Yeah. Um, so no, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more what you've just said there. Um, but just to, because we never kind of covered where you are now exactly. So you moved on to another regional Liga team. Um, so yep. just fill us in a little bit just on, on where you are now and what you're up to. Yeah, so now I'm playing uh, in the same region uh, as the pre my previous team, uh, but playing with the team Phoenix Lubeck, uh, and, and Lubeck is a city just outside of Hamburg. Um, yeah, and I made the move um, because, um, yeah, I thought they were a little more ambitious of a club. Um, the quality of players is, is a bit higher, um, and I felt that this was a place where I could really continue to develop and grow. Um, as a player and I felt like at the old club um, as much as I loved the team and the guys and it was comfortable and I could have you know signed another contract for the next season felt like it was time for me to kind of get outside of my comfort zone again put myself in a new environment with better players um, here we have a, a few players that played in second Bundesliga third Bundesliga um, you know players that played 100 150 games in Riga Liga Whereas the other club, we didn't have that. So, you know, put myself up against these players in day in and day out in training. I felt like that was really going to uh, help me grow as a player and, and as a person. And what does your, so like a week in your life look like? So what's the schedule like at mm -hmm. that level for you now? Yeah. So generally we have training uh, four days a week, five, it depends on when we play, but generally four days a week. Um, so you have, uh, like this week, we have Monday training uh, at 5.30, Tuesday training at noon and at 5.30, Wednesday free, uh, and then Thursday at noon, Thursday at 7.30 or 5.30, and then Friday at 5 o'clock. And then a game this week would be on Saturday. 
um, and then Sunday off as well. Um, I mean, that's, that's the training schedule. And then, uh, personally, I like to do, uh, gym sessions in the morning. So not on the days we have a morning training, but on the other days, so Monday, Wednesday, and then depending on when the game is, I'll do a third session. Um, yeah. And then sometimes I'll, I'll teach English, but like I said, that's, I'm not doing that as much anymore. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, go on. Just, just even in the gym for you, like, what mm-hmm. does that look like? Because that's quite an intense schedule, you know, it's a full-time sure. schedule, training schedule that you have. Mm. So what does your gym work look like? Is it more mm-hmm. maintenance or are you kind of looking to, to build? So, so, I mean, it depends on when the game is. So I, I plan my, my workout schedule around the game. I try to give myself, uh, 72, 48 hours before a game, uh, I do not do like an intense session in the gym in terms of lifting weights. Uh, that way the body is hundred percent ready for the game because that is what is most important. Uh, at the end of the day, the game is how you perform on game day is without a doubt, the most important thing. Um, so doing, you know, doing a tough workout in the gym the day before a game and being sore the next day is just, it's not, it's not intelligent. Um, but yeah, and at beginning of week, so on like today, this week on Monday, I had quite an intense Sunday, I had an intense workout Monday, I had an intense workout. Uh, today we did like a, a functional fitness workout at training. Um, then Wednesday, I will do something light as well. And then Thursday, Friday, uh, just, uh, stretching and stuff in the morning, more of mobility stuff. And then, uh, training session, the regular team training, and then the game on Saturday. And then in addition, I do like to go uh, during the week on just about, it depends on the session and when we finish, but I like to go to the gym to go in the sauna after training every day, except the day before the game. Really good. You seem to yeah. have like that. Uh, so again, the thing is, if you ask, tell, ask someone to tell them your sched- their schedule, Mm-hmm. you can often tell like you know the success that are going to have in their life as well so for you just telling me that like it's easy to see why you are where you are and i'm sure the the thing is for you as well you've been doing that consistently over time sure. you know sure. even even where you weren't at the level that you're at now i'm sure you are you know supplementing that with sessions by yourself you know if you're part-time you're doing sessions by yourself totally. gym sessions everything so it's not like once you get to that level, then that's when you switch it on. That's when you work. It's mm-hmm. like you're working consistently. Like, because you're, and happy birthday, by the way, as well. Because I know you, you celebrated Thank your you. birthday Thank a few you. days ago. Thank you. Um, so at your age, you're 27 now, Seven. Sean, is it? Yep. 27. Yep. So, um, you know, you've been working for this for a long time, a long totally. time, putting totally. in the effort day after day. Like, there's no days mm-hmm. off, really. You know, there's no, there's sure. always something you can be doing. Like, a lot of people, you know they do something for a month or two intensively and then they drop off mm. but with 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 football if you want to do something with it it's like a day-to-day thing it's like non-stop year after consistency year. is key exactly exactly yeah. i couldn't agree more consistency is what it's all about especially yeah. on the pitch off the pitch everything consistency yeah. Yeah. is what it's all about and i think if you're you know if you're committed to consistency i think you will see the results you know eventually yeah. it might not seem it at the time well, I think if you just keep at it, you never Absolutely. know like what's going to happen just around the corner. Like exactly. for you, there was times where there was just, you know, no opportunities maybe on the table. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's not as if you sit at home feeling sorry for yourself then, you know, you just kind of get back at it, right. keep working, everything like yep. that. So I think that's really the key to it, really. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, if there's one thing I could recommend to anyone out there, I mean, if you're pursuing this career or not, um, it's a quote from Inky Johnson, who I recommend everyone out there look into his stuff. But uh, he has a quote. It's, it's, can you stay true to what you said you would do long after the mood you had set it in has left? Yes. So like you said, yeah. you know, you're pumped. You have this opportunity. You just got this contract. So you're super excited and you're training super hard every, every day for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden you get to the team and the situation is not that great and you're not playing. And then you say, oh, you know, I'm not going to the gym. Oh, you know what? I'm going to eat, you know, this donut. I'm not going to eat well. I don't need to be, you know, I don't need to eat well the day before a game. I'm not going to play tomorrow. And you get into this spiral because the situation is not going as well as you thought it was. Your mood is not as great as it was when you said, hey, I'm going to put in all this work because I want this end result. And if you can do that with anything, keep consistent with what you said you were going to do. There's a reason you said you were going to do it. Now, I hope you had the right reasons for doing what you were doing. If you're chasing this for money, you're going to realize that that's, that's not going to last very long, right? But if you make it for enjoying the process or maybe showing others that this is, this is possible or doing it for your family, when you make it more, it's not about you, it's, it's bigger than you. When you're in those, those down times, which they're going to happen to everybody, they happen to me plenty of times, it keeps you, you know, I don't feel like going to the gym today, but I'm going to go because I know with my schedule this week, I go to the gym today. I know after training, didn't have a great training session or I wasn't in the starting 11 today. Am I just going to skip the sauna because I don't feel like doing that? Or no, I know that's good for my recovery, good for my body. I'm still going to go there. And, and these little things, these little tricks, once you do it for so long, it doesn't, it doesn't phase you anymore. You don't really have the thought of, I'm just going to skip the gym because I don't need to go today. Sure, if I miss one gym session, it's not going to make or break me. But I do understand that if I miss one gym session, it's very easy to miss the next one. And then that just, you know, it's a, it's a spiral downwards from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it does, it just continues on. I think it right. might not seem significant at the time, like it's just one gym session, mm-hmm. but then that gives you an opportunity to make an excuse in the future because you get in the habit of making the excuse. Right. So then that just leads on to more and more and more. But eventually, like, like you said, you, you do eventually get into that mindset where not, not that you do it on, on autopilot, but you kind of do in a way because you know you're meant to be mm-hmm. doing this at a certain time. And it feels unusual if you don't do it. So I think that that's right. that's right. the key thing as well, um, just to get into kind of a solid routine of that. Um, sure, sure. But Sean, in general, how is life treating you in Germany? Kind of even off off the pitch, um, how has that been for you? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's good. Good. Um, you know, I'm one. I love to travel. Love to learn new cultures, learn new languages. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm enjoying it here. Uh, there's still so many places to, to see. Uh, one of the perks of living in Europe is when you do have an opportunity, a short weekend, um, you could get on a quick flight that costs 40 euros, 40 bucks, you know, to any country. Uh, and then it's a totally new culture, new language um, with a totally different history. I mean, it's incredible. And I love that, that aspect of it. And how is your German at the moment? Um, you able to get by? Yeah, I mean, at this point, my German is, is uh, very, I'm, I think I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. Let's say that. Yeah. I, could, yeah. I don't yeah. have the uh, adrenaline rush anymore. 
not that sheer panic that happens with a follow-up no, question no. that's gone yeah uh, no that's no, no Again, more it's, it's just about immersing yourself in it um because yeah. i think the more you can do it and the more open you are to it and i think like you said people appreciate if you try as well even if exactly. it's terrible um they appreciate right. if you just try and make an effort with it because yeah. i remember even with my old coach at, at um my german club as well um mm-hmm. like my german is okay it's not great um his english was okay but not great so what i do is i could speak german or no speak kind of english to him he mm-hmm. could kind of understand it but couldn't speak it back to me mm-hmm. so i could kind of understand what he was saying in german right. but i wasn't able to formulate myself to speak back to him so it was kind of would mix between mm-hmm. the two languages mm-hmm. But again, he appreciated that I tried. Like, I try exactly. everything in German. Like, even the sessions and stuff, mm-hmm. I was always speaking German, even if it was terrible. But I think yeah. that makes a difference. And like that, that goes Huge for any, any country, any country as well. If you make the effort, um, even if it's Absolutely. terrible, people will laugh. But it's an icebreaker as well. So, right. like, that's, right. that's the thing with it, really. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a pro tip for traveling or if you are playing uh, sports overseas or just traveling in general. I mean, making the effort to speak their language or, or assimilate to their culture in any way, you'll gain the respect of them very quickly and they'll go out of their way to help you. But, you know, if you're, if you go into another country that doesn't speak English and you just expect them to speak English and you get angry if they don't understand you, it's a great way to make enemies very quickly. And, and whether that's teammates or just traveling, uh, yeah, just do your best to, to show effort and then show that, you know, you don't mind if you, you look silly or sound silly, but you're trying, you're trying your best. Uh, and people, I mean, people in general are just understanding and want to help someone. So they'll always make an effort. But if you're a jerk and you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't speak German. We're going to speak English. Even though if you don't, I'm not in a country where they speak English, it's not their first language. And I expect them, you know, people will tend to, you know, not help you out. It's the simple things, just like learning, yeah. like, please, thank you. Hello. Goodbye. Exactly. exactly. Simple stuff like that. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Um, yeah. Well, Sean, I just want to, I'm conscious of your time as well, just late enough with you there. At yeah, the it's moment. all good. So, it's all good. This um, is a great, great conversation. Yeah, no, but honestly, I feel it could go on much longer. Like there's a lot of stuff yeah. that we could get into in more detail and hopefully I might get you on again. Just to, I mean, I feel we could with Mongolia, you could probably do a totally, full, totally. Full, full podcast on that Let's as well. Do it um especially with germany as well there's so much you can go into mm-hmm. on that as well um but i think it's been great just getting an overview of of your story and mainly what i want people to take from it is that like it's firstly the whole d3 thing i think it's absolutely mm-hmm. fine to go d3 you can have success as is absolutely with your story so you can you know second thing like just make sure that you're playing at all times you know, fill those gaps, just make sure that you have some team to put down on your CV mm-hmm. as well to make sure you're playing, you know, and and again, just go for it. You know, I think that's the main yeah. thing as well. Don't think too much about it. Enjoy the process of it. Enjoy the journey of it. Um, and I think, you know, you will reap the, the rewards of it eventually. As with you, like that's why I find it so refreshing, like talking to people like you and other people mm-hmm. that I've had on the podcast as well. Like it's so refreshing to talk to people like you because of the outlook that you have the mindset that you have you're not in that kind of stuck mindset and that closed off mindset mm-hmm. you're open 
open to the process, open to new things that might come with the journey. And I think that's, you know, something that, that is not to be taken for granted. I think it's something sure. that a lot of people don't have. So, um, so it's not, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I really I appreciate want, that. I really, want appreciate to, that. I really want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate that totally. And, and just good conversation. Like exactly. I said, we could go on for days and, and, Exactly. You don't always have good conversations like this. Very well, that's often. it. That's it. And that, see, that's the thing. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. Kind of in terms of you know, there's not many people who have that open mindset sometimes, so mm-hmm. it can be hard. So no, I was delighted to get you on. And also, what I think of it, you have a podcast as well that you co-host, uh, Footwork yes. Podcast. So for yeah. anyone, I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. I've listened to, like we're saying off air, I've listened to all the episodes myself. You have some great content on there as well. Um, I'll put everything into into the description of this, but um, keep up the great work with that as well. Because I Appreciate think that's, it. That's Thank prov- you. providing a lot of valuable content as well. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for your time, Sean. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Aiden. I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you all very much for listening. And like I said, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email, aiden at 90minutesfitness.com or send me a DM on Instagram as I'm always happy to help. If you found value in today's episode, please like, share and follow. Thanks again for listening. I'll speak to you all again soon.